This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, hour number two. All right. It's 5 o'clock here in the Bayou City. All right. Let's go down to Port O'Connor now. Let's check in with Captain Lynn Smith this morning strike up some conversation with him which is pretty easy to do lynn what's up not a whole lot what's happening mick not a lot buddy how you doing oh good good we uh we've had some pretty good fishing this week really yeah uh, weather cooperated everybody's doing pretty good huh yeah it's uh we've had good top water fishing early mm-hmm. uh well, boy, they when they shut down, they shut down. But true, uh, yet you, you had to be out there early, you know. But, but we had good schools of reds, <clears throat> good size reds too, and uh, we uh, we really got on some good ones. They were just they were coming down these shorelines just in herds. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. I tell you what, with the reds though, uh, there were a lot of little trout with them. Really? Just cruising. Yeah. If you can keep the little trout off your top water, you catch a good red. But uh, they were slamming that top water big time. And uh, I mean, we were catching, you know, trout in the slot reds. I mean, up to about 27 and a half, that range. Oh, awesome. And uh, they were good fish. I'll tell you another thing, cruising on those shorelines, I was I was fishing West Bay one day, uh, went over and waited uh, shoreline there, and a lot of those cow nose rays were just cruising down that shoreline. I mean, herds of them. They'll bust the top migrating. water. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're migrating or something, but uh, tons of those cow nose rays. I mean, big ones, too. Yeah, I get big them up my way. It's usually late August, early September. They'll be in those big schools like that. I've uh, actually seen them in open water running from point A to point B, and see all that shaking and bronze looking color on top i said boy look at this school of reds guys <laughs> pull in there and put the troll motor down and get up there and it's all cow nose well what fools you too is uh their tips of their wings will stick out of the water it looks like tailing reds you know yeah and, and then and sometimes you'll think was it was that a little black tip fin that came up and it's cow nose <laughs> uh-huh yeah one of my customers said man look at that tail look at that tail i said no that's a that's a tip of a wing Right, cow nose over there, wing tips. Yeah, but boy, there were some big ones, pretty good size ones. Some of them were spotted, big old spotted cow nose rays. 
but they'd cruise right by you. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. But anyway, but it was a busy weekend. I'll guarantee you, they had a couple of tournaments going on here. Man. And I know yesterday there was a lot of boats on the water yesterday. Man, there were there were boat trailers parked all the way to the highway, and uh, I mean it was it was insane out there. A lot of fish had prop marks on. I, I bet you they you. did, man. He, hey, they, these tournaments put a lot of pressure on these fish on the weekends. Oh, all man, up I'm and down the coast. You. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Yep, it's pretty bad. I mean, Fridays are getting just as bad as Saturdays now. Right. I mean, Friday. I yeah, Friday's Friday the too. new Saturday, and Saturday's the new Sunday. And then Sundays that's, that's are pretty... Right pretty uh calm there's not many people fishing on sundays like you know, oh, saturday yeah. and friday and saturday oh, it's, I, I get people that want to come down and fish on the weekend i try to talk them into fishing sunday rather than saturday right because there's a third of the people on the water sunday that were on their saturday yeah mm -hmm. so it's uh it's a lot a lot better and then you gotta sunday spend most of your time fishing scattered out schools and busted up schools you know after all the pressure that's right that's right it sure is good to see those redfish schooled up coming down these shorelines, too. Well, tis the season. It's redfish season, man. It's uh, school city from now till the spawn, right. you know, September and October. That's right. They're coming down the shoreline, pushing that water up, you go, oh, boy, here they come. You know, get yeah, ready. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Lock and load. <laughs> yeah, I was fishing with a guy in Port O'Connor one time, and and uh, we got out and we start chasing these reds down the shoreline. There's several schools of them. You can see them. And I said, well, all these fish are moving to the west. Why don't we pull the boat way down there and pull uh -huh. in and let all these schools come to us? <laughs> we, right. we're, we're, we're trying to chase them down. We're, we're catching them. I mean, it's fun. But, <laughs> I mean, we're stomping all through stingrays and everything. I said, man, it, you know, I would, uh, he said, you know, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. Boy, we well, that, pulled up about a did. mile, and we had like 10 schools come through us like you're talking about, those shoreline reds. That, if somebody had never done that, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, you ambush them. That's what, what you do. Sure. I mean, that's exactly what I do. I, I run down the shoreline until I see them, and I go down uh, past them. Right. And then pull in and get out and or wait for them, and they'll come mm. to you. And you don't have to get far from the boat. You don't have to wade very far. Oh, just, at first school we were chasing, I looked back, and the boat looked like a Cheeto on the horizon. I said, man, it's a mile I back bet. there. Yeah. We're stomping off oh, through yeah. them rays and everything. Boy, we, wherever those redfish are, there's always rays. Oh, yeah. They're feeding on whatever those, those redfish are stirring up. Sure. You're guaranteed. Yep. Oh, you better know it. You better know it. I've been seeing a lot I... of tarpon caught in your area now, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Like off the beachfront, you know, it's been calm. There, I've been seeing some catches. You know, I, I thought about that, too. I, I wondered if everybody was out there in the surf, because uh, that surf laid down, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, they were talking about a foot and a half or something like that. So I figured, you know, the, the, the wind was real light yesterday. I mean, it was, when I got up, it was just barely nothing was hardly blowing at all so it was pretty calm so i figured uh they were tarping in the surf no doubt about that yeah 
Uh, I went out the last time I went to surf. Oh, it's been about a month now. But the last time I went to surf, I mean, there were tarpon everywhere. Everywhere I ran, I saw them. And, uh, Border Connor's right. been a hot spot for tarpon the last three or four years, man. Oh, it's yeah. always been a good good spot for tarpon, but you know, here the last few years, I've seen a lot more tarpon fishermen fishing that area. You know, down your way. Yeah, and they come into bay too. You know. And, yeah, and, they do. Uh, there's uh, when I first started fishing Border Connor, and uh, way back there, uh, I remember there were a lot of uh, baby tarpon in the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that in a long time, but, uh, but back then there were small tarpon, you know, about, oh, about three feet long, you know? Right. And I haven't seen that in ages, but what's that uh, bio called? We used to wait a little bit you know, on the edge for trout, the Celeria bio, Celeria, mm-hmm. Celeria or whatever you call it. Yeah. I've seen tarpon uh-huh. in that before. Yeah. They come through there. They, so they do. come through Pasco Valle. They'll come through Pasco Bayou and then through Solaria Bayou and into the bay. And uh, not too far from there, there's an area that uh, there's some shell, scattered shell out in the bay. And those tarpon love hanging out over that shell. And uh, I've been out there wading a flat uh, adjacent to that shell. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're catching trout. And you can see tarpon, big tarpon, uh, free jumping out there. Man. Just, just jumping middle of the bay you know i mean it's it's beautiful yeah, it's it a sight is. to hold sight to behold out there but uh yeah port o'connor's pretty much got it all you know we've we've been it real does it's so beautiful down there there's all man you can fish and all, fish all different ways there deep water shallow real skinny i mean it's it's got a lot to offer all the grass yeah. and shell and beautiful one of my buddies uh Told me uh, Thursday, he was out. Uh, I think he was out fishing Wednesday, and he said, "Of all things, two two teal buzzed him." Come Wednesday. on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, "Boy, they lost." Well, those are some early birds. <laughs> I'm telling you, earlier or late, one of the. But two- you know, it's right around the corner. We'll start seeing teal buzzing things. I mean, we're a month away. You know, it's it's here. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They'll they'll be showing up big time. You know, like I like I always say, it's just like I love fishing down here. It's like fishing uh, in a Cowan painting. You know. I know. I love those prints where it's showing wade fishermen. You know, fishing a beautiful flat and pintails and ducks in the background. I mean that. I mean that's Cowan City right there. I've got oh, some of is. his prints too. I I like his work. Oh, oh, I mean. You're sight casting to redfish, and, and ducks are flying over you, you know, oh, pintails flying over you. Yes, sir. Doesn't, doesn't get any better than that. No, I don't. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean, when they can come over you low enough and you can hear them whistling, you know. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah boy. That's uh, that's what it's all about, man. That's what I'm going to try to do back. more duck hunting this year. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't even make a hunt last year and I miss it. I, I just love duck hunting. I don't, it's just in my blood, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, uh, I went in and had, uh, had, uh, cataract surgery done oh, several years ago. And, and, uh, so they told me, you know, rest them for a couple of weeks or whatever, rest your eyes. And so I did. Right. A friend of mine called me and invited me on a, on a goose hunt 
out of Garwood. And he said, we're just going to pass shoot them. I said, okay. So um, we got out there. I figured, well, this will be a good test for my eyes, you know. And we we uh, got out there. We were going to lay in the bar ditches. And uh, there was a big concentration of geese. He said, we're just going to pass shoot these geese coming to this concentration. Right. I said, okay, that's fine. So uh, we were going out there. And he said, all right. He said, let's just shoot blues. Don't shoot any snows. Just shoot blues. I said, Eaglehead okay. blues. Yeah, big old eagle heads. So we get out there, and we get in the bar ditch, and we're laying there, and here came a big flock of them, boy, locked up, coming into that concentration. And, uh, man, when they just came over, and, and my buddy said, all right, let's take them, boy. We raised up. I raised up to shoot this big blue, and I saw this snow next to him. I could see the band on his leg. Oh, on the snow I, goose? <laughs> uh-huh, on that snow. And I just pulled over and popped him, boy. I popped that snow, and then I pulled over and killed two blues. And uh, we went out to pick him up. My buddy said, I thought I told you not to shoot any snows. I picked him up, and I said, well, this one's got jewelry on it. That's right. That's why I shot this one. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. I I shot a speckle belly one time. I mean, I called them in, and there was was about eight of them in that little batch of them. We were duck hunting, and – the one with all the jewelry broke on my end of the blind, and I couldn't take it. Everybody was, you know, pounding the the flock of them. And I swung out and smoked him. He had a neck collar and two leg bands. I mean, they were shining like a diamond in that sun that oh, morning. Man. They oh, decoyed man. in perfect, man. I, I love shooting them speckle bellies. They're fun. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I grew up loving to shoot speckle bellies, that's for sure. Yep, it was a neck collar with blue letters on it. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. Oh, howdy. My uh, my dad was a was a big duck and goose hunter. Man, he he brought me up right, boy. <laughs> we, hunted, <laughs> we hunted the Sea Rim Marsh down there in Port Arthur. And, uh, well, Sabine Pass. Right. And, boy, uh, I think we'd be full of ducks. Lord oh, have mercy. Oh, man. Oh, man, we had a. We had a blind down there. You wouldn't believe. You could walk right up to it. You couldn't tell it was a blind. I mean, we took uh, sawgrass and bundled up sawgrass and, and tied, cut sawgrass and tied it up in bundles and then tied it to the blind. And mm-hmm. I mean, it just looked natural, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was so natural. It was incredible. And uh, we used to get big flocks of pintails and wigeons. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have 40, 50, 50 uh, pintails or wigeons buzzing you coming over make circling over you and whistling and oh man coming in uh, just oh make the hair stand up stand up on the back of your neck you know? <laughs> oh man i hunted with on on them wedging and pintails he said don't pull the trigger do you see their toenails flinching <laughs> that's right <laughs> get let them get in here boys y'all be y'all yeah. y'all be calm yeah that's right here i'm a little kid and you're, you're shaking you're trembling like the like the labrador is on the on the dog blind just shaking, oh, yeah. waiting for them ducks to get in there. Yeah. Well, my dad was, uh, my dad worked for DuPont in Orange, and mm-hmm. uh, they had a hunting club, and they rented, uh, they leased uh, some reservoirs down in Winnie. And those oh, yeah. reservoirs were just the big flocks of geese were just, you know, roosting in those reservoirs. Well, we'd go down there. They had they had blinds built and everything for the ducks, but uh, I used to love to go down there with him and, and hunt the geese. And we'd uh, we'd line up along the levees, and well, when those geese would get up in the morning to go feed, 
get up out of those reservoirs and come over the, come over you. It was a sight to see. You can you can hear the person next to you talk to you. Oh, it was, it was so, so loud it blacked the sky out, man. I, man, that's oh, back absolutely. when we had we had the rice, you know, the big rice belt of Texas and all that windy area, and it just it was goose city. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Let me knock this break One out, year. Lynn. I'll come right back to oh. you, man. Hang on a second. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Outdoor Show. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show on this Sunday morning. It's 520 here in the Bayou City. Let's go back Talk some more with Captain Lynn Smith. All right, Lynn, we're back, buddy. Yes, sir. I, I we remember, were duck hunting. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we were goose hunting. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was funny. My dad was president of that hunting club, uh, Dupont Hunting Club. And uh, anyway, it, at the end of the season, they would they would hunt the roost. You know, they would shoot the roost. Well, right. Uh, we were down there. My dad brought me down there with him uh, to do that. And here I was about. I was probably about ten years old. You know. At, at the at the most, and uh, I had a four ten single shot, uh, <laughs> Stephen, and a chamber for two and a half inch shells, and uh, and some of these guys were telling my dad, they said, surely he's not gonna uh, hunt. I mean, surely he's not gonna shoot any geese with that, and they were laughing about it. You know, well, we're laying there on the levee, and when those geese came over, she couldn't you couldn't hear yourself think, you know, so loud, and. That year, there were a bunch of these emperor geese got in our flyway, and uh, they're much like a much like a blue goose. Mm-hmm. But my dad, I never forget this. I was sitting there, and my dad looked over at me, and he pointed up at this these this flight of emperors getting up off that reservoir, and he pointed at them, and I raised that little four ten up, and pow! I roll one, <laughs> I roll this emperor goose, <laughs> and uh, kicked that shell out, and stuck another one in, pow! killed another one <laughs> so i killed about two or three geese on on that rise when they got up off that reservoir and those hunt those guys couldn't believe it 
they just couldn't believe I'd shot those geese with that little 410. But uh, they were all laughing about it. But it was uh, that was a real experience, I'll tell you, for a 10-year-old. I'll guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. Man. And, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, when you could still shoot lead shot, 410s, there were a lot of a lot of guys that that's all they shot was 410s, you know, like those 1100s, semi-automatic. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they'd roll ducks and geese with them. Oh, absolutely. You better know it. I mean, you're not, <clears throat> you're not giving up a whole lot except, you know, number of shots. Yeah, if you're a good shot, it. you put it on them, smoke them. Sure. It just puts out a longer shot string. That's all it right. does. But, uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, it, uh, yeah, 410s. Uh, I like the 410. I used to practice a lot with the 410. Mm-hmm. That's what I practiced with. And uh, I always felt like if I could hit them with the 410, I can hit them with anything. Yeah. At one time, I had four different loaders uh, sitting in my house, and I would, I could load four tens, twenty eight, twenties, and twelves, but it got down to the point where I sold all the loaders but the four ten, because that's all oh, I'd no. load. Yeah, and I'd just crank out those four ten shells. But um, that's what I practiced with, you know. So you know the velocity is the same. So, right. You know the leads. Your lead's going to be the same. Yep. So you need, and uh, you need to be on them. <laughs> you need to be on them with that four ten. <laughs> No doubt about that. A lot of but, guys uh, still dove hunt with them. Oh, yeah. Well, I do, too. I'll do it every once in a while. Especially if you run a tank or something like that. That's a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, 410 or a 28. You know, I love love the 28. But um, that's that's probably my favorite gun. We, uh, we went pheasant hunting in, uh, I guess it was North Dakota. And, uh, gosh, we were, myself and one other guy were standing uh, at the end of a draw. And these other guys went around and they were walking up the draw. Well, I, I bet you there was 50 pheasants came out of that draw. Man, they came out of that thing like <laughs> crazy. And uh, you talk about, <laughs> you talk about a shooting gallery. Man, I'll tell you what, they were coming out of there left and right coming all around us and uh we were popping them but i was shooting them with a 28 and uh she we, we nailed them and we went to um uh, one of the guys had a pheasant that he wanted to have mounted so we went to a taxidermist and uh there in that in that state and there was a uh he was in there working on a bunch of pheasants and there was a, a golden pheasant i'd never seen one no i hadn't either and that was a beautiful bird. Really? Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, gosh, she's pretty. So the whole time we were hunting, that's what I was hunting. <laughs> I said, man, come on, bring on a golden pheasant. But uh, we never saw any, you know. But uh, I asked the taxidermist, I said, are there any around? He said, oh, yeah. He said, every once in a while you'll see one. But uh, I never saw any. But that was a pretty bird. Oh, I had an uncle that uh, I've never seen one. I never saw his. He didn't get it mounted or anything. He shot one. I think they were hunting Nebraska or somewhere back in the day. He used to go all over and, and pheasant hunt. He was really into that. He loved pheasant hunting. Man, I'll tell you, they're just, that's, that's one pretty bird. Tell you what, a pheasant's a lot faster than you realize, too. 
They are. They're so big, you, you take it for granted, you know, yeah. and they, they'll they get away from you quick. You better get on them. Oh, they will. They will. And, buddy, when they're, when they're falling, if you shoot him and you knock him down, if he's falling with his head up, you better shoot him again on the way down. <laughs> right. Because when he hits the ground, he's running. And I think they can outrun a horse, I guarantee you. Maybe that's where that old saying came from. He hit the ground running. <laughs> they do. They do. We we were hunting alongside of a uh, plowed field, hunting this draw, and a pheasant were coming out of there. And I, I can still remember this like today. And uh, one of the guys shot this pheasant, and I saw him hit that field he kicked up dust when he hit the field that plowed field and i next thing i knew i looked up and that pheasant was running across that plowed field kicking up dust as he ran <laughs> i mean it was unbelievable shoot him shoot him he, again yeah, shoot him shoot him but he, he just went out of sight across that plowed field i thought good grief that's yeah, unbelievable I remember, remember when the texas parks and wildlife they were stocking pheasants you know, through Texas. And yeah. I remember over my way, east of town, they used to stock some, but the hawks got all of them. We got so many hawks, oh. man. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. We had a guy here in town that was raising pheasants uh, for some shooting resort. Mm -hmm. And about 200 of them got out. Well, boy, they were all over town. Everywhere you look were pheasants, you know. And uh, I had a big black lab back then, and I had a, this lab was, uh, uh, he was well-trained. It was hand signals, everything. Right. And uh, Old Blue. Old Blue is his name. Old Blue. And, uh, yep. And dog uh, he was a good dog. Good dog. And uh, so, boy, one day I was, I went down to get the newspaper. I was walking downstairs. And boy, I, I froze on the stairs. And I looked, and here's this big rooster pheasant <laughs> standing underneath my trees in the front yard. And I went, oop. Boy, and I, I went upstairs and got my pellet rifle, and I went back down and I shot that pheasant. And uh, so I figured, well, I'll get my dog and get old Blue and get him to go get that pheasant. So he he went with me down the stairs, and I got him down there and I had him sit down beside me and heel beside me and sit. And I lined him out on a blind retrieve, yeah. and I sent him on that blind, and he ran out there and he smelled that pheasant. He turned around and came back. <laughs> he said, man, said, daddy, I... I don't know what that is. I'm not picking it up. I had never smelled he, that before. <laughs> he'd never smell one. <laughs> he wouldn't pick it up. You know, them labs, they get on a blood trail, you know, on the water and then into the grass. And, and the way that their ability to follow that scent and pick that duck up is just, it's amazing. The oh, work it, that dogs can really it's do. Beautiful. Yeah, there's nothing like watching a good dog work. You know? I'm telling That's you, there's nothing it. like it. That That's probably one of my favorite things about duck hunting is uh calling the birds and and working the dog yeah well i don't mind we had a, a few either but uh you know what i'm talking about that's, that's oh yeah just, it's uh it's art it's beautiful i i ran down the intercoastal one time with a couple of buddies and we were going to hunt a, a pond that was right off the intercoastal and uh another buddy of mine was going to meet us down there well he showed up with a dog and I said, I didn't think you had a dog. He said, I borrowed it. It's my neighbor's dog. Uh oh. So, so we get over there, and and so that we're sitting in the blind while these ducks had come in, and and it, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. We we shoot these birds. That dog would go out and pick a duck up, and he'd bring it back, and he'd, he'd take it straight to the person that shot that duck. 
I've never seen anything like it. It was. It was amazing. He'd go right to that person, knock that duck down. Roy Blaine had a dog back in the day. His name was Cinco, a big old black male like, you know, you're talking about. And uh, Mm -hmm. big old head on him, beautiful dog, hunting machine. And during teal season, Cinco would go out after we'd do a volley and drop all them teal on the water. And he'd go out there and uh, he'd go to the farthest one first. He'd pick that up and swim or walk over and pick up another one. He'd come back with three or four teal in his mouth drop them off and go back i mean just in and out just quick he 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 uh he kind of had it figured out he didn't want to do all that work and just go get one at a time and uh, yeah he he had a big old head on him and he could hold three or four teal at a time and bring them in that was amazing that dog was very special what a dog i had a big yellow male that uh, was like that big yellow male and uh but you had to watch him. I mean, he'd, he'd hunt for anybody. But, uh, but, boy, when the hunt was over and you're out there picking up decoys, you had to watch him because he he wanted to ease back over to that blind and you had your ducks hanging on the strap. Uh-huh. He'd, want, he'd want to get one of those ducks off the strap. Well, he needed a little snack, man. He needed some protein. Mm-hmm. He'd been working hard. Needs some breast. <laughs> I watched him swallow a teal. I watched him swallow the whole teal. Yeah. He was a big dog, big old head on him. Yeah, I know a lot of guys, head. man, that their uh, lab, he was going to eat the first duck on the trip. I mean, the first one was his. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I had I'll a Chesapeake one time. You could hear her sucking on them teal. She'd go out there and pick one up, and she'd clamp down on it, hard mouth it, and you could uh-huh. hear her sucking the blood out of that breast when she'd bring that bird back in. Oh, oh my she'd goodness. Get so mad at her for doing that. <laughs> She loved oh, yeah. that blood, man. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. But that's what they live for, boy. They're out oh, there. Oh, yeah. They're, wor- they're worse about it than we are. Oh, I know. I, I built a little stand right in front of the blind for the dog to sit on, you know, keep him out of the water. Right. And, uh, boy, he loved it, man. He, he couldn't keep him off that stand, you know. As soon as I pulled up here in the airboat, he was out of the boat and on that stand, man. <laughs> he was ready. He was ready to start hunting. He yeah, I had, ready. A, I had a good one one time. She'd be sitting on that uh, stand at the end, you know, me and my pits on and, you know, hunting to get a little slow and we're all telling jokes and cutting up and blinding everything. And I'd look over at her and I'd see her duck that head down and looking up. She'd see those ducks way before we'd see them. Hmm. Hunting machines, oh, yeah. man, and just trembling. Oh, you can watch it. I go, man, your dog yeah. sure is cold this morning. I said, she's not cold. She's fired up. She's she's not cold, believe me. Yeah. I was sitting in the blind one morning like that and had a couple with me, this guy and his wife, friends of mine. And uh, we're sitting there just kind of talking. It was a slow morning, wasn't much moving. All of a sudden, my dog was whining. And I said, oh, man, something must be coming, you know. And, and, I, and I'm looking at him, and he's just sitting there shaking like you're talking about. He's just shaking and whining. <laughs> and there was a 10-point buck walking across the, the grass, <laughs> coming right to the decoys, <laughs> right to the duck decoys. And that buck walked right out there to the outside of the decoys and just turned around and walked off. Nice 10-point. Yeah, that was a yeah. classic video with uh, Phil Robertson and his crew sitting in that duck blind and and uh they're duck hunting and all of a sudden phil goes y'all get down be real still be quiet and there's a doe walking around their pond 
and he puts his shotgun down and reaches over and grabs his deer rifle. <laughs> that doe took off running. He shot it on a full run, and that doe turned a complete flip and landed on its back in that duck pond. I said, boy, that that is uh, as redneck as you can get right there on a hunt. I'm <laughs> telling you, boy. <laughs> Let me knock his break out, Lynn. Hang on. I'll be right back, buddy. All right. You're listening to the Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, 537 here in the Bayou City. All right, Lynn, we're back, buddy. All right, man. You heard any updates on... Um... Parks and Wildlife, what they're going to do with our limits on the on the fish? Well, the uh, you know the release I got from Texas Fish and Game Magazine. It's a done deal. They're going to do it. They're going to leave it like they're going to put it back to old limits, just like it was before the emergency action. Hmm. Man, well, <clears throat> I wish they'd keep it the way it is. About one more year, really. You and a lot of people are saying that, and that's why they had that petition going around, and I got involved in it. I signed it, and. Uh, they're going to take it before the commission and all that, but uh, I think for now they're they're going with with what they have. You know, they're going to go back to it. Mm. I think their license revenue is down. They're going to do what they can to get it back up. I mean, yeah, well, from what that doesn't I've help seen, the trout any. You know, no, it's not going to help the trout any. But uh, it's uh, everybody goes well, men. You know, there seems to be plenty of trout everywhere. I said, well, no, nah, if, you've, if you've fished in the past, and I said, you're new to the sport, and you, there's uh, there's not. You think there is because you're catching this and that, but I said, uh, if we had healthy a healthy fishery on speckled trout, you know the star tournament would have a trout division. They don't have it anymore simply because of that because they're trying to, you know, save the species and bring them back. And... Uh, yeah, but you know, just a yeah. lot of a lot of folks just don't know, and uh, they're uh, they're content with all the small fish and everything else. But uh, if they ever caught a seven or an eight pound trout, then they would realize why we want to get our fishery back to those standards again. 
I mean, there's oh, nothing absolutely. like catching a big speckled trout. I just, oh, I'm telling you. It's so, it's so you. awesome. Yes, for it me, is. Anyway, and, that's just and me. For me, it gives me a really warm feeling to release that fish. So well, sure, yeah, we're not wanting to kill them. We just want to catch them and turn them back so somebody else can sure. catch one, too. Exactly. I mean, let somebody else catch one that uh, maybe, you know, be the fish of a lifetime. Sure, know? be their personal best. A PB, sure. as they call it nowadays. Yeah. Or a CPR, so, catch, photo, and release. Yes, yes. So uh, that's that's what I do. I mean, I I personally release a lot of fish, but uh, but there's been so many. There's so many small fish right now, you know, so many small ones. Well, that's our biomass right now, and uh, unfortunately it used to not be like that. Once you get up to about two and a half three year olds the the graph just drops totally off the chart there's just uh yeah. hardly any big fish in all their surveys or anything else and right it used to be we had all the age classes and it used to be fairly stable and uh they grab and say well you know we're targeting all the brood stock 17 to 22 inches but actually <coughs> there's no brood stock i mean those fish right there there's just a just a minute numbers of them compared to you know your your juvenile fish up to your 15 16 inch fish that's that's 40 percent of the biomass for the whole texas coast right now you know it's like 11 to 11 to 16 inches yeah that's where you're getting your better spawns off of because that's the most of them that's most of your fish a lot of them a lot of those small ones yeah 40% Forty I mean, percent like, of our like, population is that size, right? That's a lot. Oh yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you know, here lately, like this week, this last week, all I've done is throw topwaters. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, plastic every once in a while, but but mainly right. topwaters. And uh, it's amazing how many small trout that I've caught this week on topwaters. You know, exactly. just, and I'm talking, you know, fifteen inch fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, or smaller, you know, 12 inch maybe. But uh, even with those redfish, those schools of reds that are coming down the shorelines that we're catching these redfish, uh, even with even in with those redfish or trout. Right. It, with, the, with the schools of reds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we just got a lot of small fish, small trout. Yeah. But, you know, I remember like, like you, I mean, y'all had a lot bigger trout than we have. Uh, in the past because y'all had the deeper water, you know, we just didn't have that. And we just never have been, we never have been noted for big, big trout, even though we did catch some big trout here. We've never been really noted for that, like Baffin or, or Galveston or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we've had, we have some big fish because every time they have a big freeze, you oh, always yeah. see the big yeah. trout killed in the lakes. Yeah. Oh. Never fails. And, you, and people can't can't believe that these big fish were there. Yeah, and well, like Pringle Lake, man. I mean, I've seen oh, yeah. some toads uh, float up in Pringle Lake in these freezes. Oh. You know, photos of them. big, big oh. old gar looking trout, man. The biggest, big. the biggest trout I ever hooked in Port O'Connor, I hooked in Pringle. Yeah, and I hooked it on a corky, and uh, and that I just caught a twenty-seven and released it, and. Uh, and I hooked that big trout, and that big trout came up shaking three different times and ended up straight in the hook on that corky. That's how big she was. 
I mean, she was a she was a pig boy. Oh God, she was a pig. And one of my customers said, "Oh my God," he said, "Don't tell me you lost that fish." I said, <laughs> "I sure did. I was I was bent over. I was physically ill <laughs> after losing that one." And uh, he said, "Gosh, that was a big trout." I said, "No, that was a huge trout. That was a huge trout. That was thirty plus, easy." Oh yeah. Oh. That was a big I've had fish. two fish on in my career that just, uh, and still to this day, I can remember it like it was yesterday. They just, uh, they, yep. it still haunts me. Oh, oh, me too. Make you me break too. out in a cold sweat. <laughs> fish all your life for one like that. It just wasn't meant well, to be. Well, that's it. Wasn't meant to be. I was wading back in, uh, back in Mule Slough one time and, and basically chasing redfish, but we were wading back in Mule Slough, and, and uh, there's little islands. I, I know you probably fished in there. But yeah. There's little islands, and, and so I was wading up to this, to these two little islands. There's a gut going through them between the two islands, and, and I was backed off away from it, and I was throwing up in that gut, and I thought, there's got to be a fish in this little gut. There's just got to be one. And I'm, I bet I made a dozen or 15 casts in that gut and nothing nothing you know and i thought hmm i can't believe there's not a fish in that gut and so i thought well i'm gonna go on through the wade through the gut and get on the other side and i started wading through that gut and there was a monster trout came out of that gut oh <laughs> the monster came out of that gut eased out so she was laying in there she just wasn't gonna eat you know but uh boy that was a big old trout boy in the winter time we'd get on the north shoreline of east bay between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you'd pull one of those good, uh, strong uh, northwesters and clear blue bird sky, high barometer, low tide, and you think, man, it's it, you know 32 degrees, it's cold in the mornings. Hey, we'd get out over there and we'd stalk them big fish. That water be air clear behind that norther, and uh, mm-hmm. you'd uh, ease down them shorelines with that blue bird sky, and you could see them, and they looked like big old black logs laying in there shallow they'd always be in like groups of two or three or maybe four or mm-hmm. five fish and every one of them the same size just big big trout and uh, right i had a crew one morning is old terry keith and david martin and all that bunch they fished with me for years and this is back when they first started fishing with me this is back in the 80s and man we kind of figured it out we started throwing uh seven in mirror lures and one guy, Alan, they brought with him. He had never fished with him, but he was throwing a little bagley finger mullet, and it was uh, white with a red head like a, you know, the old woody pattern. And, uh-huh. uh He caught the first big one. He rolled that through those fish in there in about knee-deep water, and the water just exploded, and he fights his fish in. It was about a 9, nine 12, somewhere, and it was big 9. It, it, it was pushing 10, and... Mm. uh Oh, he's so excited, and, and we got to figuring it out, throwing these lures past those fish and then working it real fast up to them and then just slow it down once you got right past them, and they would just, they'd suck that 7M completely out of sight in their crushers. Well, we didn't, oh, yeah. We only caught like 27 fish that day, but we didn't have a trout under 6 pounds. I mean, they were just, and uh, Roy Hancomer caught a 10-6, uh, a that was our biggest fish. And, I mean, we're seeing them everywhere. And that right there kind of, that was probably my first experience 
you know, guiding to, you know, I figured something out. I mean, I, I died and gone to heaven. What had happened. And I, I would, I would pray for a norther every day just to go fish in behind it in that low water like that. And man, that East Bay was a special place, you know, for those big fish like that. Cause you had all those deep reefs out deep where those fish could actually fall to in a, in a real good cold snap. But the first thing they'd do as soon as that sun had come out with that low water, all that mullet would push up in there in about knee deep water. And those fish had come with it every time. It was like clockwork. Oh, man. I don't know how many, you know, 10-pound trout I've uh, seen caught on that shoreline with me back in those days. You know, like, man, you know, Roland, he used to fish with us. He he caught one. He caught his personal best like that. And uh, my Uncle Jimmy did, too. I mean, everybody. You know, Plog used to wait it with me. We used to do that. We didn't even have a trip. We'd just go over there and stalk those fish and, and sight cast them. It was it was oh. it was something special, man. It's kind of like going man. to Baffin and you know stalking those fish on those on those shorelines down there in the Lower Laguna. Oh yeah, well, that's awesome. like us. Uh, yeah, I love you know wading up on a on a big pot of reds tailing. You know, it's just mm-hmm. nothing like that. And uh, and I, I try to tell people, I said, don't cast into that pod. Do not no, cast into stay it. Stay on the edges of them or outside of them. Yeah. What I do, what I try to teach people to do is I, I'll cast, like you say, to the side, or I try to cast over, way over the pod. Yeah. And then I bring, my them, bait, yeah. I bring my bait to the pod and let it fall. Right. I just literally let that worm fall into the pod. And, and one of them's going to dig it out. One of them oh, will dig yeah. it out of that pod. And you just watch your line. Hold your rod up and watch your line, and boy, it'll take off. Because he's going to get that bait and get away from those others. He doesn't want yeah, to get and, it away. Yeah, once you do that, you get them stirred up, and they all start eating. They go go into piranha yeah. mode, man. Yeah, but, I mean, once he runs away from that pod, you can stick him. Go ahead and stick him after he gets away from the pod. Mm-hmm. If you try to stick him in the pod, you're going to blow him up. Yeah, you're going to bust you blow him up. They may not get back together until they're 100 yards away, you know. So, I mean, how many times have you been casting at reds like that? You'd be on a school of reds, and uh, you throw outside of them or down one side of them or what have you, and you end up catching a you know an eight or nine pound trout out of them. Most big trout will run with those oh. reds like that. They'll stay. Well, with you them. can see that. You can see those black tails come up sure with those you reds. Can. <laughs> yeah, big old trout in there with them. Yeah. Man, uh, I was I was over ago, in East we Bay were... one evening. It, uh, I had old Gary Anderson with me. He's a neighbor of mine over there, really great fisherman. He loved the weight and all that back then. And we got over to the back of East Bay, and it's it's about an hour before dark, and we're wading down this shoreline. Man, them slicks are boiling out of there. We can't get nothing going. And we trout started tailing. And, I, I mean, I thought they were drum. Those tails were so big, I thought, man, those got to be big drum doing that. We waded up in there, buddy, <laughs> and – those fish went off, and we caught them to about an hour after dark. And they, everything was huge. Seven and eight pounders, just it was just absolutely nuts. Mm. On mirror lures, 51 M's. I think we were throwing 808s that day. Unbelievable. Man. And it had been a tough day all day. I mean, we caught a few fish here and there. But that's where we ended up on a uh, incoming tide late that evening. Man, that was just... Mm-hmm. They can't take that away from you. <laughs> no, they can't. They can't. They can't take yeah. that away from you, buddy. 
day day before yesterday we were waiting and and uh, my customer said hey look over here look at these tailing reds it was it was a pod you see these tails coming up it was hard heads tailing you know uh uh-uh. oh real boy. skinny yeah it was a pot of hard heads <laughs> <laughs> put you a corky yeah. on <laughs> yeah and uh Anyway, he, he threw plastic over there, and sure enough, he hooked one of those hard heads. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good pot of, pretty good little pot of hard heads. <laughs> you know, you fish enough, spend enough time out there, you see things like that, and you you just you never oh, forget those kind of special trips that uh, you had no clue. You know, you're sitting there fishing hard and grinding and trying to get something going, and then something magic like that happens in front of you. You go, oh, absolutely. That can't be trout. Those are drum tails. I mean, because they were so big, they looked like wisp brooms, those tails coming Ooh. up. And, buddy, once we caught one of them, that whole school turned on, and I don't, I don't know how many fish we caught. It was oh, just, it goodness. was absolutely stupid. All of them drag-ripping toads, man. Man, oh, man. man. Special times. Yep. I'd love to yep. see this fishery get back to that just to uh, – oh. You know, these young guys, never... we got, we have so many young fishermen are coming up that are so good. I mean, they, they, they get it. They know what, you know, they know how, how everything ticks and, uh, mm-hmm. they got special talent and I would love to see them be able to, uh, wade off into something like that and spend days catching giant fish. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, they're happy yeah. with what they have. I mean, that's all, you know. You only have so much to work with the way the shape of the fishery is, but if you can get it back to like that, those guys would think they had died and gone to heaven, man. Wouldn't it be something? Because it is trout heaven. That is trout heaven is what that is. Oh, it is. It is. You know, I've, I've been on the shorelines down here and have those big trout, like you're saying, you know, six to eight-pound trout swim right by me. Oh, man. And uh, through those little guts, you know, along the shoreline. and be stand, I'd stand in one spot. And work these guts. I'd be casting to like three different guts, and uh, and look up and have those big old trout coming cruising down those shorelines, oh, in those man. guts, and come right by me. And I I was throwing everything in my arsenal out. You know, <laughs> I was going through my bag and, and throwing every color bait I could I could think of, and they wouldn't eat a thing. And uh, I was pulling my hair out, boy. <laughs> I was, gosh almighty. I mean, there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> see those big trout and you can't catch them you know oh yeah, my goodness you know that we'd get you those pre- magical times in the back of trinity bay when we'd get a good salty year and we'd have a good salty late fall and winter and those big stove pipes would uh stack up on them flats way back there in the back between green island and cove and we had that little real short uh tweed black turtle grass all on the bottom you know you'd have a little sand spot here or there and mm-hmm. and uh we'd get back in there on the right day behind the norther and oh my goodness gracious th- throwing jumping minnows and you know all kinds oh, of spooks and top waters and those fish they could see you so easily in that clear sky that you'd have to get on your knees and get real low to the water and right. you'd see them wake up a little bit and you'd throw throw that lure past them and then walk that dog right through the middle of that pot of big trout, and man, it looked like Moses parting the sea. My God, I've never. I mean, it it just doesn't get any better now. That's a that's a no. big trout cathedral when everything comes together like that. Oh, I'm telling you, 
I'm telling it's you. Like you're in a you know, talking talk about those trout, talking about those trout seeing you. You know, I I try to wear light clothing. I wear I wear a white right. shirt. Something that blends whatever. in with a sky a sky blue exactly. shirt is and a cap too. Exactly. Exactly. These people that are wearing dark clothing, uh, they man, that's the worst thing you can do. That's, that's the worst it. thing you can do. That's right. Cliff and, uh, Webb preaches on that all the time, you know, when he's into that sight casting stuff down there at Baffin. Oh, yeah. Well, I I do, too. I mean, you can look at the guys way back when, uh, Walter Fondren and guys like that that used to have the big tower boats uh -huh. in the very beginning, and they all dressed in solid white, solid white, because they're up right. on those towers, and, uh, you know, they're sight casting the redfish. Well, you just blend in with the sky. You sure. Know? And you're not spooking them, not at all. But uh, so when I wade, I try to wear light clothing. My wading pants are real light colored. I'm with you. Plus, it's cooler too in the heat, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. In those hot, sunny days. Well, Lynn, I hate to end this conversation. I keep going on this. This you got me <laughs> fired up. I'm ready to <laughs> make a yeah. little cup and pop a wade real quick. Hey, man, oh, if somebody I, wants to come down and port a cotter and fish with you, Lynn, how do they get a hold of you, buddy? Okay. Uh, yeah, incidentally, we still got to book a couple of uh, management hunts in November. So uh, we still got to book some couple of management hunts in, uh, down there in George West. So anyway, cool. but anyway, they can reach me at 361-935-6833. Um, All right, buddy. Well, Lynn, it's always a pleasure, man. You have you a great Sunday. I'll talk to you next week. Catch them up this Sounds week, good. man. Lay them Sounds out. Sounds good, Mickey. All right, brother. Stay cool. <laughs> Take care. I'm going to. All right. That's Captain Lynn Smith and Port O'Connor. And it's time for our top of the hour break and national anthem and all that. You're listening to the Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 